may be seated. <clears throat> well, welcome to May. Welcome to the journey of Pray Through May, praying with the idea that as a church, we want to really recognize what God is doing in our lives and get to pause and really stop what we're doing and be still and invite God's presence wherever you are. We need to rejoice and spend moments in praise, perhaps listening to your favorite worship song, reading your favorite psalm, or writing a thankfulness prayer, or asking God who or what is on your heart today. Spend a few moments talking to God about what you need and, and the needs of others, and, and why being yielding to him, and spending a few moments giving everything back to God, your worries, fears, and uncertainty. That's the acronym of prayer, the idea of pausing, rejoicing, asking, and yielding to God. And as a church, we really want to identify the different areas as, uh, that you, as KBC attendees and members, pray. And so as you head out today, I would love it as a pastor if you just had this one moment where you say, you know, on Wednesday at 4 o'clock, I'm going to be praying at Rossi Commons, or I'm going to be praying at the, uh, you know, Quispam Elementary School, whatever it is. We just need to know as a church where and how you're praying and so on your way out, there's forms that you can kind of fill in and, and it allow us, and maybe somebody will show up with you, maybe not, but we're really calling upon us in the, in the month of May to identify as a church where and how we're praying. You can be praying back in the, in the prayer area. On Wednesdays at 10 o'clock, we'll be doing that. You can be praying Wednesday nights at 7.30 uh, in, the, in, the, in the lounge, wherever you feel God is calling you to pray. There's also an opportunity in the back of the sanctuary, you'll begin to see it, an opportunity to kind of have a little bit of a prayer walk. Carol set this up, and there's instructions on the far right-hand side of the, of the overflow that you can begin to say, this is one way I'll begin to pray. Or maybe it's using the prayer app on version. Just some way to identify your way of praying. And if you can do one thing in the world... Praying would be the thing to identify to people as something that you do as a person. Also this month, as we pray through May, I've invited a few people to share how prayer has impacted them and how prayer continues to impact them. So today, I'm just privileged to have Leah join me on the stage as she shares with you the impact of prayer in her life. And I'm looking forward to what she has to share. So come on up. Good morning, everyone. Um, I have a verse that I'd like to share with you about prayer. It's Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This, um, this verse has been very influential in my life since um, I would pray during tough times or like when I get anxious, especially like with speaking on stage and presentations at school, and I just feel peace come over me. Like that's how I'm able to stand up stage right now. <laughs> and as a kid, I'd also get scared like there's monsters in my room, there's stuff like that. And I'd take my Bible and hold it close, and then I'd still feel the peace of God's word and that he is with me. 
One of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29:11, is for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And that brings me to the, ver- the prayer that I'd like us to do together. And it's a prayer that I say, like, when I'm going through a tough time or struggling with, like, speaking on stage to remind myself that he is with me. I don't know if it's up there. Um, Is it there? Yeah, there it is. Okay. So it goes... God, I'm struggling. I know that the plans you have made for me are not to harm me, but so that I may prosper. There is a hope and a future in the plans you have for me. You are with me through good times and bad. I pray so that I may feel your peaceful presence here in this moment. I thank you for the hard times for my trust is in you, and I know you have made everything with a purpose. Help me grow in my faith while sharing your love in those around me. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know, I think that's the point where the congregation kind of applauds the fact that someone has stepped out in courage. Because I must be honest with you, whenever you ask a teenager or somebody in the next gen, what's the one thing you would want in this world? And, and, you know, if you were to ask God for anything in this world, what would you ask for? And what would be the number one thing a lot of teenagers or kids would ask for? They would ask, you know, around the world, they would ask for world peace, right? But here, Leah has, has found what God is really allowing people to discover, and that's individual peace. He wants to give us world peace, but the world peace. Because Jesus even admits that there will be trials, there will be wars, there will be all kinds of things that come into this world. You don't need world peace. You don't need peace on earth. You need to have peace individually. See, world peace or peace on earth is the concept or of an ideal state of peace within the, among all peoples and nations of planet earth. Different cultures, religions, philosophies, and organizations have varying concepts of what this looks like, but various religious and secular organizations have the stated aim of achieving world peace through addressing human rights, technology, education, engineering, medicine, or diplomacy used as an end of all forms of fighting. Since 1945, the United Nations and the permanent members of the Security Council with China, Russia, France, United Kingdom, and United States have operated under the aim to resolve conflicts without war. Nonetheless, nations have entered numerous military conflicts since then. And I really believe that peace does not come through world peace, but comes through unity. And unity comes only through one person, and his name is Jesus. Jesus shows us how the world can have peace. How can we have world peace when we can't even find unity in the church, though, is the question. As I sat in prayer in the corner this past week, I I, I brought my request to God, and, and the peace that passes all understanding came upon me. It's amazing. 
I had these conversations with God, but yet somewhere is deep inside, I still have this struggle of the future of the church in some respects. With the, 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 the idea of this, that I would maybe not be the right pastor. I've talked to you guys about this before, and I've had conversations with people. And I remember one conversation particularly with someone who struggled with the idea of me being a pastor. He said, I still don't see you being able to be the pastor of KBC. I still remember my response to the statement, you're right. I probably can't lead KBC as the pastor. Not on my own. As Leah read, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 is one thing I do also depend on. But the prayer and petition, I can bring my request to God and the peace that passes all understanding will guard my heart in Christ Jesus and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul was writing this note to a church in Philippi where there was some hint of division in the church. There was a lack of unity. Paul appealed to the leaders within the church to agree with each other and the entire church to stand firm in the church and in the Lord. Paul offered them a prescription for receiving God's peace, to rejoice in the Lord and to let their thoughts be filled with that which is good, lovely, and true. And it all comes through peace. Isaiah chapter 26 in the Old Testament, verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Perfect peace will come if you trust in Jesus. Jesus has these words himself. He has this prayer that he prays, and this idea is so powerful when you think about this being 2,000 years ago. John chapter 14, verse 25. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open up to John chapter 24, verse 25. Uh, chapter 14, verse 25. And this is one of those verses that I believe needs to be underlined in your Bible or highlighted on your version app. Jesus says, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. As I think about the way I personally pray as a pastor, and, and the idea of pray through May uh, is at the topic of uh, the center of topic. When I pray for people, and ask a lot of times as a pastor, how do I pray for people? When I pray for people, I would say that 90% of the time, whether it's I'm praying for health or for relationship or uh, job requests or financial requests, I would say that 90% of the time, I have no idea how to pray for them. 90% of the time, I have 90, not, like no idea how to pray for them. Especially when it comes to health. It's not that I don't believe that I could pray for a person to be physically healed. I do. I've seen miracles. I've heard of miracles, and I believe in miracles. What I do believe, though, is that no matter what, people need peace about their sickness before they can be healed. And they need peace if they are not healed. 
But follow me on this. I really believe that no matter what, people need peace about their sickness before they can be healed. And they need peace if they are not healed. I believe that family members whose loved ones are sick need peace. I believe that someone that's going through addiction needs peace. I believe that families going through divorce needs peace. I believe that a homeless person on the street needs peace. I believe that someone that just lost a loved one needs peace. I believe that peace is where we experience Jesus the most. And peace is a beautiful thing when it arrives during the greatest of trials. Don't you believe that? I've reflected on that more in trying to lead a church as someone with countless leadership flaws. More than I know of anyone else. But to be at peace with my calling, to be at peace with knowing that it is a calling and not a job. I'm at peace with that. April 21st was one of those days. It's been one of those couple weeks, actually. That day in particular, lots was going on in my mind. It was a Friday. Bryce was heading out on a missions trip, and thankfully, uh, he was able to return. I'm looking forward to recapping a lot of the, the highlights for that. But that day particularly, the enemy was giving me a lack of peace. I had disappointed a few people that week and that day, and I was catching up with them to apologize. It was also going to be a busy day on a Friday, which is typically my day of Sabbath rest. So I had a chance that day to really stop and pause and rejoice and ask God for peace and yield to him. That day, I also had a chance to pray for a friend of mine who was receiving his promotion to sergeant with the police force. Um, exciting opportunity there. There was also a banquet that night for church leaders up in Sussex. You know, again, it was going to be a busy day, and I just needed peace. The enemy was working overtime on me, and I was just feeling no peace at all. In fact, on that day, April 21st, at 10.03, I texted my brother, Be praying for me today. The deceiver's voice is loud this morning. He didn't respond to my text until 10.04 that night. At 1.20, I missed a phone call from my sister-in-law. At 1.21, I got a text from my sister-in-law saying, call me. The Greek word for peace is arene which can speak of relationships between people and governments. But when it comes to Jesus and prayer, it more reflects a state of well-being. You have to keep that in mind. Peace is a state of mind. Remember when Paul says to have or allow your mind to be transformed so that you will know God's will. It's a state of mind, Irene. It is well with my soul is the song that comes to mind. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I tried to call her back 
123, but got no answer. A minute later, she calls back. And that is when Jesus needed to step in with peace. A state of mind that allowed me to know that he would be present with me, with my family, with my sister-in-law, with my brother. Her voice was a little shaky, which caused me to connect with Jesus in prayer as she continued to talk. Brent's been in a car accident. He's on his way to the hospital. The next two hours, I prayed for peace. It was 2.47 when I found out my brother was going to be all right. But my prayer was already answered. Peace. The peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It was 10.04 p.m. when I got my first text from my brother. This is the first thing he says. When I read this, I was having breakfast with Ronnie, one of his co-workers. I prayed over you earlier that day and again tonight. If the deceiver's voice is loud and in your ear, it's because he's worried about you. Or it could be the late-night oil or hockey games and the lack of sleep. He mentioned at that point he was hyped up on Tylenol 3s and Advil. But he said, I'm Psalms 100 thankful. Psalms 100 thankful. I had to, you know, go back in Scripture and say, what does Psalms 100 thankful mean? And so I looked it up. And I read it. And that's what began this journey of where I'm at with this message of peace Verse says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Here's the underlined part. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in his courts, uh, and, and his, in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him, for the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Are you, Psalm 100, thankful when life is throwing you curveballs? Are you, Psalm 100, thankful when you're sent on a journey that you don't want to be on? Because this sent me on a journey that I seldom like to take, but I have to come to peace with. I call it my Job journey. I call it my Job journey because this is a journey that I've been on for 20 years now. Job chapter 1, verse 1. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys. And had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. This is a story that explains something that we come, or we, we come and we can't understand when it comes to God's sovereignty. We don't understand Satan's ability of, and the main question is, why does God let bad things happen to good people? And Satan's ability, but we need to come to peace with this in a broken world. Again, we can't understand it, but we can learn from it. 
See, Satan is allowed to test Job in this story. Not once, but twice. The first time he loses all his kids to a natural disaster. His girls and his boys. And his servants and his cattle to an attack from the Sabians. Verse 20, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground. In frustration, in anger, I don't know, but he fell to the ground, Scripture says, in worship. And he said, naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised in all this. Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. There was a time in my life when I felt exactly, I believe, what Job was feeling. It was August 31st, over 20 years ago now, but it was that night that I will never forget. I was on my knees praying that God would spare the life of the woman I was supposed to marry in six weeks. I still have that accident scene in my head as a Kodak memory. I believed in God, but in that moment I struggled with his goodness. And I didn't know how to pray or what to pray for. All I could do was beg him for her life, to allow our life to continue together. But yet there was no peace. As I sat in the prayer corner the other day, praying for my message for today, and praying for KBC, and praying for peace about how I feel about all the emotions this past few weeks, about all of this, all of this came flooding back. My brother's accent kindled up some feelings inside of me that I often fight back. Although I'm at peace with the accident and losing the love of my life 20 years ago, it is a lesson that has been hard to learn. And here's the lesson. With peace comes thankfulness. This is a very difficult lesson to learn for everybody that's lost someone. This is a very difficult lesson to learn for everybody that is dealing with sickness right now. If cancer is not going away, this is a difficult lesson to learn. If your relationship does not seem to have a future, this is a difficult lesson to learn. If one of your children is lost and far from God, this is a difficult lesson to learn. But I'll go back to the start. For you to find the miracle, you have to first find the peace. Because the peace will lead to one of two miracles. An answered prayer the way you want, or an answered prayer the way God wants. With peace comes thankfulness. There are a thousand reasons not to believe in God. I've got to be honest with you. There are countless reasons. You ask anybody that doesn't believe in Jesus, they have a pretty legitimate reason. And most of those reasons come to unanswered prayers. But I will say this, they never found peace 
with the prayer. They never found peace with the prayer. Before my brother's accident, we had pre-planned a trip. It's Becky's 50th birthday tomorrow, by the way. She's not here, so you don't feel like you have to do anything. I've got it all covered. I've got it all covered. I think I've hopefully won the Husband of the Year Award. Uh, we'll see. Um, but part of the trip was, part of the birthday celebration was to head to Toronto to spend some time with my brother. And this was pre-accident planning. And, of course, the week before the, the, the trip, he gets in this accident, so we're not sure about what state he'd be in. But thankfully, God has, had brought healing to him, so we were able to travel out to Toronto and be with him. And God blessed us with the opportunity to go see Elevation Worship in the Air Canada Centre, Scotiabank Centre. I would say that Elevation Church is probably the, the, the best things ever, ever happened to that arena. I'll let you dwell on that for a little bit. But in it, there was this moment for me that peace just transcended. Um, you can be praying for me as a pastor. Uh, physically, my hip is really bad state right now. Um, so standing is the most difficult part. So right now, this would be the hardest part for me. Uh, and so standing during worship was difficult because the pain was there. But then there was just this moment because the way it was set up, there's 17,000 people in that place, all worshiping Jesus. And I had the privilege of being able to be in a space where my brother was behind me. And I knew that peace was there. I would say to you, in the last 20 years, my brother has been the example of peace of Jesus in my life. In those two hours that I didn't know the result of the accident, I was at peace with whatever God decided to do with my brother from that accident. From all signs of the accident scene and, and the look of the car, he shouldn't have made it. Like, he shouldn't have made it. I remember when he, he talked about when he came to a stop and when someone knocked on the door to ask if he was all right, he just, this plume of dust from the airbags was just all around him. He says, he, he, at that point, I think that's when he was Psalm 100 thankful. But for me, as I'm sitting in this concert scene, this worship was just coming, and this peace that passes all understanding was there. And it was amazing. This peace comes when our prayers are answered the way that God wants to answer them. God wants to answer all of our prayers. And if you seek out, if you seek God for answered prayer, he will give you the peace that passes all understanding. No matter what the outcome is, you will have peace 
Job went on an amazing journey, complaining to his friends and his friends giving him reasons to not believe in God. A thousand reasons his friends gave him not to believe. And God speaks up. And Job listens. Job's story continues in chapter 42, verse 10. After all of this, after all of this, this is where my story reflects the Job story. Because it did take time, but peace did come for me 20 years ago. And God brings a conversation to Job and basically tells his friends where to go. But God says to Job's friends, Job will now pray for you. And I think what God is saying is Job's going to pray for peace for you guys because Job has already found peace. Verse 10, after Job had prayed for his friends, and I believe he prayed for peace. Again, like I say, I don't have a clue 90% of the time how to pray for you guys. When you say, hey, Brian, can you pray for me? I have no clue. The only thing, and you'll hear me say this very often in my prayers for you, with sickness, relationships, whatever it is, God, I pray for peace that passes all understanding for the sickness that this person is dealing with for the loss this person is dealing with, for the brokenness this person is dealing with. I pray for peace. And after Job had prayed for this, I believe he prayed for peace for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again. This is my story. This is my song. This is my journey. 20 years down the line, this is still my journey. As I intersect my name in this, God made me more prosperous and gave me twice as much as I had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate in his home and they comforted him and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him, and each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. And the Lord blessed the later part of Brian's life more than the first. I didn't have 14,000 sheep and camels. I, I can't, I'm not a farmer. But this is what I love. And this is where I was back there, and I just broke down by myself. And he gave him a son and two daughters. The first daughter was named Bailey. The second was Bree. And then there was Bryce. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Brian's daughters. And their father granted an inheritance along with their brothers. And this, after this, Job lived a, who knows how long I lived, but we'll see. After this, Job lived 140 years, and he saw his children and their children, the fourth generation, and so 
He died old and full of years. I just want to let you guys know that this is what prayer does. I am completely at peace with everything God has done in my life and continues to do. And I pray the same for you. And the only way that comes is with communion with God. And so I'm going to invite Richard to come up with some people, and they're going to share communion. So Richard, if you can come up and share what the Lord did that night for communion. And we're going to continue in worship.